Season 4 of Angel is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Schedule a free product tour and receive your free guide, Six Ways to Run a More Profitable Business, at netsuite.com angel. LinkedIn. You already know LinkedIn is the world's largest professional network. It's also a better way to find great talent. Go to linkedin.com slash angel and get a $50 credit towards your first job post. And Assure is the leading provider of special purpose vehicles and fund administration. With over 5,000 completed transactions and $2.5 billion under administration, Angel listeners can get 20% off their first SPV at assure.co slash angel. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Angel, the podcast. Thanks to the partners and sponsors who supported this podcast to make it free for all of our users around the world. Over 200,000 people listening to every episode right now. We've done over 1,000 episodes, and uh, now it's getting really easy to get great guests. Now people call us. They tell us, hey, book's coming out. Can we get on the pod? Uh, And so we've just had a tremendous response to this season three, and I just really appreciate the the, fact different partners who made it possible. It's not easy to do high quality production like this. We've got five people working on the team full time doing the podcast and adding a six, the twistarchivist.com. If you go to twist, T-W-I-S-T, archivist.com, you can apply to become the person who listens to the podcast and writes up podcast notes and blog posts from the archive every day of your life. If that sounds appealing to you, it's probably most people's personal nightmare, but if it's appealing to you, go ahead and apply. Our guest today, Nicole Quinn, is a partner at Lightspeed since 2015. That's correct. And you do late stage. I do all stage, everything from seed through to series D. But you're right, the last investment calm was growth. Ah, now this is one that is very warming to my heart because I did the seed. <gasps> Wish we calm. did the seed. <laughs> um, Terrific company. It's a fantastic company. You did the last round, which was over a billion dollars. You put tens of millions of dollars into the round. Uh, it's public, I think. They announced that you invested. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, what is it that you saw in Calm as a late-stage company that makes it a great investment? Because a late-stage investor has an expectation that they're going to 5, 10x their money, something in that range? That's exactly right, yeah. 5 to 10x. That's exactly what we target. Which means whatever the value of my shares are right now, <laughs> the fact that you're coming in and making that bet means I can feel pretty good about the investment because you expect some acceleration. You're not expecting 50 or 500x like I do, but 5 to 10x because you're putting in a bigger dollar amount. What is it about that company that gives you conviction they can go from what has been publicly reported as nine figures in revenue to five to 10 times that month, much would be, which means you think it could get to potentially 500 million, a billion in revenue. Yeah, you're exactly right, Jason. It is the first mental health unicorn as of last year. Um, we believe it'll be the first mental health IPO public company. And so we're super excited about taking this one all the way. Um, we have known the incredible founders, Michael Acton Smith and Alex too, for many years, and we've looked at prior rounds. Um, the reason why we got so excited about this particular round was because this just... This company has really doubled down on innovation, R&D, and they're constantly reinventing themselves, coming up with the next new thing. So when you first invested, it was a meditation app. Right. Meditation, in my view, is more akin to a vitamin, a supplement. It's a nice to have. You know you should be meditating. Right. You know that that's really good for you, but you'd end up not doing it. You end up churning. Engagement's not that great. Then the company did an amazing hackathon, they came up with sleep stories. Mm. Now, sleep is more akin to a painkiller. Right. It's like, God, I can't sleep. I need this right now. You reach over, you switch on the sleep story. So what happened after the company introduced sleep stories was engagement went up 3x, retention really improved, Mm. and the company's now in this terrific spot where they've got a huge amount of content on the app. Customers are loving it best-in-class retention. Like the annual numbers are better than anything else we've seen in consumer subscription world. Wow. And it's just such a good business. It's just very stable. CAC has been consistent for many years. The customer acquisition costs many years. Exactly. Yeah. And so we love it. And the founders are real visionaries. Uh, I agree. Had 
Alex on the podcast. Gosh, I got to remember what episode that was. Maybe I have it in my notes here. Yeah. Um, well, the last time Alex, too, was on was uh, episode 868, but he's been on four times. And when I first met him, I tried to invest when he was on the pod. He had done the million dollar homepage, if you remember. You yeah. know about that. I know all about that. And you were very smart to invest after seeing that because you're right, that was special. And most people thought the million dollar homepage would be like a fraud or a scam or a hack or not actually something that makes the person more investable because they thought, well, this is just a quick way to make a bunch of money, which was the intent of the million dollar homepage for people who don't know. It was 10,000 pixels by 10,000 pixels. I think if you times those two numbers, you get, or is a thousand by a thousand, thousand by a thousand pixels. He was a millionaire at basically the age of about 18. Yeah. And he sold yeah. each pixel for a dollar. Yeah. But what people don't realize is then Expedia or Kayak or whatever started putting their logo on the million dollar homepage. They spent $5,000 in pixels or 10,000 in pixels. But they got a million clicks. So they got these clicks for like a fraction of a penny. Mm -hmm. So it actually turned out that it became a huge traffic driver. And when I saw that, I was like, Alex's brain is different. For me, he's the most creative, active product creator in the industry today. Yeah, well said. I agree. I don't know if there's somebody I've ever met, and I've met everybody, who today is making more creative, innovative products. And you see it even their advertising. Yeah. Have you seen their ads on social specifically? Oh my gosh. I'm You're obsessed scrolling with them. through Instagram and it's like, hey, you might be feeling a little anxiety right now. Why don't you breathe for 30 seconds? And then they stop you. So the ad is to stop you from using the social media because they know that's the root of anxiety and stress for pe some people in some situations. And just say, hey, breathe for 30 seconds. You breathe for 30 seconds. You're like, wow, that was actually pretty great. They demonstrate the value of mindfulness in an ad. So true. And have you seen their new LeBron James ads? Now, those are incredible. I now, this is when you know one of your investments has gone supernova, is when people start coming to you talking about it, or they're talking about not knowing you invested, or they know you invested, and they say, LeBron James. So I have gotten pictures of the LeBron James ads in Times Square in LA sent to me from people who know I invested six years ago. Yeah. And they're like, LeBron James. For anyone who hasn't seen these ads, they're so powerful because the whole point is it's not just about training your body to be a great sports person. You also need to train your mind. And so LeBron James is saying, use calm to train your mind every day as you would train your body. Right. And he is using the product. Mm -hmm. and I don't know if they talked about how they got him or engaged him, but... He's deeply involved in the company, I think. So you're right. Calm have a really interesting way of thinking about which celebrities to get involved. Mm. They have something called ICE. Mm. And so for every single person that comes on board as a celeb, they have to I invest in the company, C create content, mm. and then E engage authentically with the product. Right. So you're right. He is an actual user of the product. He loves it. And so that's exactly why he came to And Calm. that means content is coming. Mm-hmm. Watch Can out. Can you imagine LeBron doing positive visualizations and sleep stories and in your ears. That's incredible. It's so good. This entire year, you're going to consistently see some terrific content coming from these guys. And also, the fact is, people say, oh, you know that meditation app, the Matthew McConaughey app? Yeah. People associate the celebrities with calm. Even right. if they can't remember the name, they remember the celebrity that reads them to sleep. Um, the other ones you've been involved with, and it seems to be a bit of a trend for you, is, um, I wouldn't say celebrity, but um, really charismatic personalities who understand product. Girl boss, Sophia Amorosa. She gets product. She's a personality herself. Take me through that investment while you made it. You were the first board member, I believe. That's right, yeah. I almost invested. And I was like, great, I want you to start a board. And she was like, yeah, I'm not starting a board. And then like a year later, I see the announcement that you invested and she started a board. And I was like, what happened, Sophia? She's like, yeah, I, I thought it through. No, you were right. I was like, no phone call back so I can invest? To, uh, and I know they got sold recently. Exactly, yep. Uh, to uh, Steve, uh, no, Joe Marchese's company bought it. Um, yeah, really not sure if that was a one. great exit or not. So Okay, I guess. That one was a merger. A merger, okay. And so um, it's particularly interesting because we've realized that, you know, Sophia herself is a force of nature. Pairing her with um, 
Nick from Snapchat and then Joe Marchese, as you mentioned. We just feel like those executives together will be able to go out and create like the next IAC, you know, like a really strong, powerful media company. Mm. Um, And by the way, I particularly love the fact that we're talking about Sophia as I literally have her book behind me on your shelf. Uh, She's been on the pod. Uh, What is it about her as uh, a founder that you look at and say, yeah, that's fundable. She's fundable. What is it? What does she have? And then in relation to what maybe Alex has or Michael. Yeah, we invested really early um, in Girlboss. So this was probably about three years ago now. When it was like a $10, $15 million company, yeah. Yeah, even earlier than that, actually. Um, And so um, with Girlboss, we just felt like Sophia was truly authentic. She is somebody who is this Mm. real role model that so many young women, Gen Z, millennials, look up to and quite frankly, do what she says. You know, Mm. it's very similar with Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop. People idolize her and if they... say hey you should be buying x or going on this trip or doing this for your career then those people do it because Mm. they really look up to sophia so we loved her authenticity i love the fact that she is one of those founders who will run through walls she doesn't take no for an answer and she will just go out and do it and find a way to accomplish what she wants to um and so yeah she is a power horse and somebody who we're excited to invest in she did two products i think Maybe three. She had the podcast. She had the rallies. And the rallies, to me, were incredible. I talked to her about the rallies. And they were very profitable. And I was Mm -hmm. like, this is the business. She's like, no, social network's the business. And I was like, and and then she also podcasting. And I was like, I I don't think that you're the the natural podcaster. I think she's the natural podcast guest because she's so fascinating. Her opinions are so strong that it's hard for her to – I think it's hard for the audience to have her – asking questions and being 5% of the podcast. They want her to be 90% of the podcast. Yeah, That's like a real challenge when you're that strong of a personality. So the strength you were talking about, that she is so self-possessed, that she is such an influencer. People want to hear hard talk, not the guests. So I told her, stop having guests. Have a round table where you talk. That would work for you. I don't know if she took that advice or not. We did not do a roundtable. She yeah. definitely speaks more in the podcast, so it's not so much just her asking a question. Like She definitely engages in a greater right. conversation, right. more akin to you and your right. style, which That's I think works true. well. So um, she did do that. But you're right, there were so many different areas. Yeah. Um, I would say the rally was awesome because it was profitable. And maybe this is the Brit in me and the New Yorker in you, that yeah. we like businesses that have that aspect of being profitable. Yeah. Um, well, you know what's brilliant about them? They're profitable but they're also marketing and branding. Mm -hmm. So I call this, as my personal theory, called monetized marketing. Uh, You're making money while marketing yourself. This podcast did, I think, $1.6 million last year. It's profitable. And we pour all the money back into the podcast. But this is my branding. But it's also my passion, so it just becomes a flywheel that is unstoppable. So true. And also, when you talk about the rallies, like the actual in-person rallies being great for branding and marketing, that's true. And this is a trend that we're excited to invest in because I think Lightspeed have always kind of been at the forefront of investing in new trends that may seem silly, may seem like fads, but actually right. turn out to be long-term interesting businesses interesting spaces so the next one for me is like these in-person experiences Mm. so maybe that's the rally maybe that's the museum of ice cream maybe that's vr experiences but it's a huge space and Mm. people have you found any other investments in that space yet i mean goop has their things anything else in that space we have invested in um a company in the space and it'll be announced very soon you'll be the first early stage or later stage um, Still chance for me to weasel my way in is the, the underlying question. Always. Series A, is that okay? Yes. Yum, yum. Done. <laughs> you know, see, this is the great part about having the podcast. I can help promote. i got 300,000 followers on Twitter. So when I try to weasel my way into a cap table, even if I can't get a big slice, I'm okay with a small slice. Yeah. You ever have a half a slice of pizza? <laughs> Tastes great, even one bite. Okay, I'll, let me tell you something. Half a slice of pizza... Better than no slices. I, of course I want three slices. I want to try to hit, pound those three slices. But I'll take a half a slice. I'll eat the crust if I got it. I want to get in there. But I agree with you. What do companies like Ring, Hint, and Tecovis have in common? Well, they're all using NetSuite to accelerate their growth. Successful companies know 
that in order to grow faster, you must have the right tools. If you want to take your company from 2 million to 10 million or from 10 million to 100 million, NetSuite by Oracle gives you the tools to turbocharge your growth. With NetSuite, you'll get the full picture of your business from finance to inventory onto HR, customers, and more. It's everything you need to grow in just one place right there from your phone or computer. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control you need to make the right decisions and grow with confidence because you've got that dashboard right there with all your information. That's why their customers grow faster than the S&P 500. NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system, trusted by more than 19,000 companies. You heard that number right, 19,000 companies relying on NetSuite. It's also the last system you'll ever need. You're not going to rip it out. Nope. NetSuite business grows here. So to schedule a free product tour right now and receive your free guide, the six ways to run a more profitable business, go to netsuite.com slash angel. That's right, netsuite.com slash angel, netsuite.com slash angel. Uh, thanks for supporting the pod. And let's get back to this amazing episode. Goop also does events. Yeah, very successfully. Very successfully. Uh, and there you have a very self-possessed founder, Gwyneth Paltrow, mm-hmm. confident. Um, and also she makes great product. Really good product. I completely agree. Um, what is the what is Goop's business? Because it's very clear to me what the three business of Girl Boss were. And if you ranked them, rallies, profitable, amazing, do more. Podcasts, likely profitable. But, you know, I'd probably say good and could potentially be great. Um, I think maybe a co-host would be great so that she does more talking and the co-host cues up the ding. So I would have a Robin Quivers and the Howard Stern sort of analogy with that. So she doesn't have to, you know, she can be answering questions rather than asking them because I'm more interested in her answers than her questions. And then you had the social network, which I think didn't break out yet. But I think that's got potential. I joined the social network of Girl Boss. (laughs) <laughs> I'm very glad that you're on it. She invited you, me. Not a ton of activity. Hard to start a social network, right? The you were one of the very few men on it. But I, mean, I, I actually I wondered like, how three, you got on. <laughs> I got five or six invites. And so I just took one of them. Um, and I started answering questions about angel investing. I got some deal flow, actually. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Um, so if you were to look at that business, 10xing the live events is the is the move. Yeah, completely agree. And like to your question on Goop, Goop is really interesting because we've realized that Gen Z, millennials, they're so involved in their phones that they're actually looking for an escape. And so people mm. are looking for these in-person events. People are still wanting to go to shops. Mm. So for Goop right now, the retail stores. Um, they have retail doing, stores? I didn't know that. They have got very successful retail stores. How many? We now have about five. Um we Where actually have they? our first um, one in San Francisco. We've always really? had pop-ups in SF. Now we have a permanent one on Fillmore Street in San Francisco. Really? Yeah. Also LA. What do Aspen, I buy York, London. in a Goop store? I'm not going to make any jokes yet. But there's what a, do you not buy in a Goop store? Yeah. What's in a Goop store? What is, what is, what is the uh, – is it for uh, people who are into alternative medicine and yoga and meditation? It seems like it's part of that like new agey kind of – so Goop Area? is both a marketplace as well as selling their own products. Oh. So you can go in there and you can buy some terrific products from other people, but other brands. The most like exciting, Etsy or would you say it's like Etsy or it's I'd more say like they a- curate some terrific new designers of clothing. Oh, okay, so more like Target in a items. boutique way. Very boutique. Right, that's, <laughs> yes. a, that's my no, point. Like totally Target right. made slightly a, higher prices. Yeah, exactly. But Target made a brand for hey, let's let's make let's be design led. Yeah. So it's it's. A, high design boutique yeah exactly are those like profitable or are those like marketing tools so this is the interesting thing with retail right rothy's is exactly the same we have extremely successful stores again rothy's have one in san francisco the sales per square foot are akin to apple wow and so yes they're profitable these stores because yes, they have small footprints yeah yes we want to double down prices. on it yeah so there's something really special happening here it's like mm. if you do things in the right way where you can actually marry online and offline together so mm. that opening up an offline store has a halo effect to the online store mm. that's very powerful if you have it so that you're opening up a smaller footprint so your sales per square foot are high then you've got this you know line going around the block so that creates marketing buzz around mm. it everyone's sort of talking about it it's really special it helps yeah. promote the brand and rothy's you know we're now opening up more stores what is rothy's i don't know so what well. that is 
Oh, Rothy's. Um, Rothy's was one of the first companies that I uh, ever got involved in. Yeah. Um, it is. I'm sorry, I don't know it. Rothy's. I've heard of it, I think. Oh, yes. Google it right now. You need to buy one for your wife right away. So, Rothy's are flat shoes. They're made oh, entirely of yes. plastic recycled bottles, so they're good for the I environment, know all about sustainable. This now. Yes, I'm sorry. You can throw them in the washing machine afterwards. They're like the loafers and whatnot. And Points, made... sneakers, Chelsea boots. They've got everything now. Oh, yeah, Chelsea boots there, too. It's oh. really a wow. great company. And so, this is actually a super interesting one because, like, what we look for is leading indicators of a true brand being built. And when we saw Rothy's in the really early days, like, pre-Series A, that was exactly what they were showing. They were showing high repeat rates, high referral rates, mm. customers talking about it, loving the product. I would speak at a panel and people would say, excuse me, first question, are you wearing Rothy's? And then they'd turn around and they'd tell the rest of the women in the audience, Wait, you need to buy a pair as of Rothy's. As a woman, what is the appeal of Rothy's shoes? Here they are. Ooh. Um, there's the Mary Jane. 49,000 plastic words. Oh, so this is using the plastic to print these right 50 million plastic bottles um have exactly as you say been recycled um to make these rothies so they're doing great for the environment there's a lot around the block for these right they're hard to get exactly are they like no you can still get them online okay but yes they sell out so buy them quickly hundred forty five dollars for recycled plastic designer Loafers. Those ones are 125 below. So yeah, there's a range in prices, but these shoes Those last forever. Have, oh, they last forever. So I've had mine for three, four years, the very early ones. Well, they're made of plastic. Plastic is made to... That's the, exactly. That's the promise and the disaster of plastics. You put them in the ocean, they last forever. You put them on your shoes, last forever. You don't have to... Waste. Much better them on your feet forever than the ocean. Exactly. I mean... And yeah. so <clears throat> for here, it's like... In Rothy's, you know, you can throw these in the washing machine like you do a pair of socks. What? Mm-hmm. Do they have these for men? Not yet. Sorry. But your wife will love you if you buy her a pair. Come on, Jason. Really? Yep. Good present. Really? Delayed Valentine's gift. Yeah. Uh, so these are incredibly high margin. Yes. I would think. Um, and they're collections and they're doing online and offline. And yeah. the online the offline is designed for awareness do the stores have to be profitable in this model when you look at goop or any of these stores do you think they need to be profitable break even or even lose money if they acquire customers how do you look at those as a board member as an investor so it's interesting because someone said to me someone sent me an email yesterday saying oh i only want to look at um, e-commerce companies that have raised more than 20 million dollars and i was like so that makes no sense in e-commerce because e-commerce, there is actually an inverse correlation between amount raised and how well they're doing. Mm. <clears throat> we look at e-commerce companies that are capital efficient, that are quite often profitable. Mm. Companies like Rothy's, companies like Lady Gaga's House Beauty, profitable in year one. We love these businesses because they have high margin, customers are coming, and uh, I mean, they're willing to get these costs down so low that they can still charge good prices to the mm. customers. It's just that they're going to run their business in a sustainable way mm. so that they can be profitable and don't have to continue to raise money from investors. So I think we're a little bit different. You know, we didn't invest in the Caspers of the world. Um, I guess I spent before like 10 years working on Wall Street, taking a lot of these companies public. And I really do think it's important to have profit at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and so that's how we invest at Lightspeed. We do actually look at these companies. What and do look you do at on Wall Street? You, where'd you work? I worked at Morgan Stanley. Oh, really? Um, I love Morgan was, Stanley. Yeah. I'm a I customer mean, now. Oh, you are? I'm a, I'm a Morgan Stanley customer. It's an amazing I just started getting around. a lot of stock distributions that I don't want to sell, that I want to hold. Good problem to have. Yeah. High class problem. You know, the things I invested in, whatever, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, a lot of those are going public. And then I'm LP. I'm an LP in like 10 funds. Yeah. Um, and they start sending me shares. And I needed a place to hold the shares. Wealthfront doesn't really let you hold shares. And Morgan Stanley does, and uh, it's really actually I was pretty impressed with their interface. Are yeah. you a customer of theirs, or I'm a customer by default right. from <laughs> 2005, starting working there. Seems like um, a lot of people do their stock distributions using Morgan Stanley when like a company that yeah, you invest in. Yeah, Morgan Stanley or Merrill Lynch, exactly. They, yeah, they distribute the shares on them, so it just makes it super easy for me to have that account. Yeah. Just like, oh yeah, here are your shares. Completely agree. It's a wild moment as an investor. Have you had many of these moments yet? Because you've been investing for five years now? Exactly. Six years. Five years. Have I'm you had that moment where a company you invested in as a firm then 
goes public or whatever or gets acquired and you get distributed shares and then you personally get shares in your account have you had it we have had fortunately we've had many of these moments over the last i guess like three four years such a because we've had nutanix app dynamics MuleSoft, wow. snapchat over the last few years lightspeed had so many terrific exits pinduo duo yeah. you forget like you know we're one of the top global vc firms and so it really benefits having china india israel now lightspeed europe as well right. oh, so we wow. have exits all across the world and most of our lightspeed lps have actually invested in right. all of our funds. and as a partner and people don't understand how this works you guys decide do you want to s- sell the shares and give cash to your lps or yep. just give the shares to them and let them decide if they want to hold them yeah and s- most of the time it seems in the great uh, certainly in the great companies there's more money to be made post the ipo like google amazon netflix facebook because <laughs> the end of the facebook. day the last double is the most important double, right? So, yeah. You the last double's on a big on. number. You may want to hold on and try to double that last one. Hold. That's why you should hold onto your Comstock because there's going to be many more doubles. I feel that way. I We did, I'll be transparent, we did pair 10% at the $250 million round. Just 10%. And I think we locked in a 3.x for our syndicate investors. And it was hilarious because we let them know. they And they were like, wait a second. I've done like 20 of these angelist things. None of them ever worked. And they're a little sour to it, right? And they're like, wait, I just we just made this investment four years ago. You're telling me I'm I made three times my money in four years? That like never has happened in my life in the public stock market. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, but you still have ninety percent of your shares left. And this one person didn't understand that. They thought they had just made three X and they were thrilled. I was like, No, no, you, you still have ninety percent of the shares. And they're like, that doesn't make sense. You're saying I have ten times the three X return? I'm like, Yes, you do. The numbers are so big that when sometimes it, it can seem unbelievable. Yes, exactly. Power law, right? It very much is about when it works. I totally Which agree. is troubling in one way for people who are not in our business. And you had to change your brain chemistry and your betting when you came from Wall Street to private markets, I yeah. would think. How, how did people, in, when you were at Morgan Stanley, look at the world? And then how did you personally have to change your risk-taking and thought process becoming a VC as opposed to a public market investor? Hmm. Good question. It's almost yeah. like you've done a thousand interviews. <laughs> um, One thousand eighty. <laughs> <laughs> Give me credit for those final eighty, please. <laughs> Eighty-one now. Yeah. So um, it's a really good question because from five a.m. to five p.m. I'd work at Morgan Stanley and I'd have this late-stage mentality of like, okay, we're going to work with these companies two years before they IPO, get them ready to IPO, and like Facebook, Groupon, Pandora, really interesting IPOs. So it was great to kind of think about the consumer story, but it was late-stage mentality. But then from five p.m. till eight p.m., I'd go out and do angel investing, oh. and that's what I was most passionate about. Right. And so I loved that, like that mentality of working with founders at a really early stage and helping them higher and helping them think about future fundraisings, thinking about marketing, which is sort of my my love. Um, that was what I found particularly interesting. And so mm. in the words of Sophia from Girlboss, how yeah. do you make your side hustle into your real hustle? Right. So I wanted to make angel investing into That's what I did all the time. And the, how many angel investments did you make in the 5 to 8 p.m. period? And did any of them actually hit? Yeah, I made probably about five in New York and about eight or nine in London. And they have been companies that have been more like sort of three, four, five X's. So singles and doubles. Exactly. So How do you look at a single or double? Is that frustrating for you? Is it fun? So it's interesting because like... We have separately our early stage fund at Lightspeed and then our growth stage fund. And so if we get a 5X on our growth stage fund, that's perfect. That's exactly what we're targeting for. Because you put LPs. 30, 40, 50 million dollar checks in. Exactly. At- so it's more like dollars at work. What do you actually get out of that? Yeah. And so- five times 30 is 150, which is 120 million in yeah. cash profit. Your LPs are happy. It's huge. Exactly. Right. Whereas for the early stage, we're definitely looking for more of the Snapchats. You know, my partner Jeremy put in 400,000 into Snapchat and got out about 3 billion. Yeah. And so Holy cow. That's the kind of terrific yeah. um, benchmark that we now have at Lightspeed yeah. where uh, yeah. we're looking to that and all uh, wanting to find the next Be one. Be careful because when you hit one of those, it can spoil you for life. Hey, everybody. Instead of me reading you copy in an ad about LinkedIn Talent Solutions, I thought, you know what would be a great idea? Who made LinkedIn Talent Solutions? Who's the product manager? 
give me the head of product and let's talk about why this product is so awesome. We've had so many great hires with me today. Blake Barnes, the head of product for LinkedIn Talent Solutions. Welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me. Big fan. All right. Oh, thanks for that. You know what I like about the screening questions? It, it creates a little bit of work, but not too much. It lets the person on the other side know, hey, I'm serious about understanding you. And it lets you as the employer know, oh, they took the time to write a paragraph or That's three right. sentences. Screening questions in particular are interesting tool. And one of the things that we do to help you leverage them is we suggest them. So you talk uh, about proprietary data AI, this way that we understand you better. When you're filling your job description, one of the things we can do is read through that job description, understand what screening questions might be most applicable to your point to save you time so that it's not just about like, you know, having to like think about what are the right questions to ask because, you know, many people don't know. They might not know well, what are the right questions for me that might be most effective for filtering down to just the right set of people. Especially if you're a first-time founder. Yeah. You, if you're, you may not even have an HR department. You've never done this. So you give them the library of questions. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want. And you get the first 50, 5 for free from my man, Blake. Just visit linkedin.com slash angel, A-N-G-E-L. Again, linkedin.com slash angel. And you get 50, 5 right now. Terms and conditions apply because they're giving you 50. Thanks again, Blake, for coming on the pod. And thanks for this big stack of 50s here for me to give out to all the Twist fans and the Happy Angel Happy to fans. be here. And of course, anytime. As I, I was just at uh, the Green Spring is one of our LPs, you know, oh, the fund of funds. Yeah. yeah, they're one of yours. I saw you. Got, uh, did you go to the summit they had? Have I you didn't. been to that yet? Uh, it's I quite charming. Go. Is this the one up in the mountains? Yeah, it's in the mountains. Nice. It's in Park City. I can talk about it. I don't think they're... I mean, the, the Green Spring's been great. Uh, you know, they're first institutional people who put money into our fund outside. I mean, aside from we have like some VC partners. They're great LPs. What's that? They're great LPs. Great LPs. Yeah. Um, and really supporters of new funds. And it was like really sort of interesting to watch how they think about uh, the world, like LPs and, you know, yeah. what their expectation is of us, right? Um, I had a point there, but wait, what were we just talking about? We're talking about the 5X being enough. Oh, yes, the 5X being enough. Greenspring would be very happy oh, if they made $120 million there. This was my joke. They, they have us each get up and introduce ourselves. I was like, um, I was the third investor in Uber. Because I just come in hot. You know, I'm coming in hot. It's my first time in the room. <laughs> I hadn't noticed. There's 200 LPs in the room. I got them. I'm the third investor in Uber. I invested in Robinhood, Uber, Thumbtack, Datastacks, and this. Calm. F- calm <laughs> for a $30 million valuation Yeah. combined. Like, drop the mic. Drop the mic. Anyway, so I say that, and then I say, which is to say, my IRR in the early part of my career was triple digits. So it's only going down from here. But we invest in it. And it, it doesn't really, have to only go down from here. You can't possibly. Well, um, who expect. knows what the next platform is, right? Like voice, you are at the forefront of voice. Yeah. We're bullish on voice. If yeah. vo- voice is the next platform, right. then you can make uh, the ringer. similar returns. The ringer got $250 million, I heard, in cash. I don't know why he would take cash instead of Spotify stock. Mm-hmm. I would have taken half and half. You weren't investors in Bill Simmons, The Ringer. Nobody was. HBO wasn't. No, we weren't investors. Did you but try? I you tried. I tried to. <laughs> I tried to. You, if you pause and I look at your eyes and you're looking down at your shoes, don't ever play poker with me because I know it's a yes. <laughs> I think my husband's played poker with you before. Yeah, so. <laughs> that was quite fun. Like, yes, you are a poker player. But voice is super interesting, So you right? did try to... Do you guys tried to do the ringer too? No, we didn't look at investing um, oh, really? in that one. But oh. we have been looking at you know Wall a pockets. lot of other spaces. Because right now, if you think about it, Alexa, they've gone into your home. It's kind of like the Trojan horse in right. your house. And they've rolled these things into your home. And they're all just playing music right now. Right. Maybe you're adding lists onto right. there. But what else can we do? Right. That's the big question. Right. And so for us, voice is like, okay, should you be playing games on there? Should yeah. you be doing stories? Like, should 20 questions. Be- yeah, it should be an interactive medium. Clearly, like, yeah. we should be doing our kids. Play me my next sleep story. Rothy's, order me a pair of red cameos, size seven. Absolutely. It should be everything. It, it really should be. And I really think the interactive audio, I don't know if you had these in England when you were growing up, but we had these books, Choose Your Own Adventure. Mm. Did they make it across the pond? They did make it across the pond. And now there's a lot of apps trying to go out of this exact space. You're and right. it was so much fun. And my daughter, my 10-year-old, sits there in London, and she talks to Siri. And I've walked into the kitchen and she's sitting there talking to her and she's asking for the definition of words. And I started doing a thing in the car whenever she didn't know a word. And this is for the last four or five years. I'd say, Siri, define the word resilient. Siri, define the word indefatigable. 
we do this for four or five years and we listen to audiobooks. And I had the greatest dad. You know, I'm a, gr- I'm a girl dad, like Kobe. I've met your girls. Yeah, I got three great. girls. So I'm a, uh, yes, you have met them. So I'm a girl dad. I'm like, I'm going to make these into like warriors, like Wonder Woman, Amazon princesses. Like they're going to just be warriors. And one of my things to do with them is to really get their verbal ability like really high. And I would say to her, you know, I have The Hobbit, which I used to listen to, but they wouldn't let us listen to it until I was 12 because it's scary. Hmm. You're six years old. It's half as when I heard it. You might not understand it. It might be a little scary. It could give you a nightmare. She's like, I can handle it. Huh. I'm like, all right, if you want to listen to The Hobbit, there's orcs and there's some crazy stuff. I listened to The Hobbit with her like five times. You want to have somebody have incredible verbal ability, audiobooks, and defining words while you're in the car. Yeah, it's so true. But you know the problem? What? The problem is there's no search and discoverability on voice. Oh, it's brutal. It's sort of like the app's... Well, it's sort of like Apple and the iPhone before the App Store. Right. App Store came along and then suddenly we were able to search. We were able to discover Sword. these new amazing and it's, apps. And App Store is so not a great that. search experience either. But at least it exists. At it least exists. It's something. Exists it's gotten better. So we need that yeah. on Alexa. Then I think Alexa explodes. Uh, you don't have to just say, hey, define this word. Hey, read me this yeah. story. It will say to you, hey, Jason, do you want me to read this story to your daughter? Right. Hey, we know you liked X. Do you also want to try right. Y? Which they have all that data. They'll get there. They're going to get there, hopefully And quickly. I think they're... I wonder how many active Alexa users there are a day. Because that's always when you're doing a new platform... You have to know the denominator and not how many devices were sold. Because I own six devices and only one of them gets used. Hmm. So it's not devices sold. It's active devices. Have you figured out how many active devices there are? So we've been looking at how many millions there are of the actual devices in the home. But the Hmm. issue is, is that however high DAU is, it's the retention that's the issue. Because people are just not coming back time and time again. Hmm. They find something once and then there's nothing to remind them to use it again there's mm. nothing that comes up on their phone saying hey time to use your right. calm app today yeah so that's one of the problems lacking. this is why i think the echo um mm. i think it's called the echo something what is it called i have the one that has a screen oh the show the show yeah do you have one the shit one of the shows we do have one of those yeah it's the best one because what it does is it's putting stuff in front of you while you're sitting there so it's you, you yeah. see a thing that says your package is delivered and then you see news stories coming up yeah and then it says say explain to me De- what happened at democratic debates or say democratic debates to hear the story so it's almost like you're getting this carousel kind of effect and you could dive back in but it should be you know doing that so yeah. if google and apple came out with that device like an ipad light like a like a yeah. a standalone siri yeah. would be incredible in that regard voice and the screen together you're it's saying super would be exactly because you're not interfacing you're not pressing the screen the screen is just showing you yeah, and like flashing up with an advertisement. Try this one. Try this one. Yeah, it's just like a little menu of like what is possible. Yeah. I, yeah. Voice could be the next platform because it's interesting, right? It's yeah. like we had web, we had mobile, we're in between platforms. Who knows what the next platform will be? We've I mean, been people thought it would be in, Oculus and VR. Yeah. That's dead on arrival. We've been investing in marketplaces and brands that kind of transcend across different platforms and could go into What's voice. an example of that? I mean, Rothy's and Calm are terrific examples yeah. of that. Lady yeah. Gaga's House Beauty. It's like, yeah, you can buy oh, it Oh, you're on in web. Lady Gaga's House Beauty? Yeah. Oh, wow. Are you personally now, the investor? You, or? Yeah, on the board. I just, made, the I just met uh, I've just met her. Uh, we you need to have her on the podcast. She, I, I mean, I hung out with her for like four hours at a, my friend's birthday party recently, and uh, her and my wife became fast friends. She's friends with a couple of my other friends. and Isn't she inspirational? She's fun. Yeah, she's fun. She's and really she's an open fun. book. I mean, she we we started talking. Woof. Yeah, she's she's really like likes to talk. She she's really does. Really extroverted. I thought she was a super introvert, and I, I don't know if she's faking it or not. I, was, I couldn't get a read. I was trying to get a read on a person if they're an introvert or an extrovert. No, she has strong opinions. Very strong opinions. She is somebody who, like, when we met her, we wanted to know how authentic is this, her doing a beauty business, what is her commitment. Oh, my gosh, we were blown away. Yeah. Like, she says, there are three things I'm passionate about in this world. That is music, that's acting, and that's beauty. So when I start a beauty business, this is not something I'm doing for a year. I'm in this for the long run. We're doing this for 10 years and building a really meaningful business here. And what is her beauty brand? What are the products? So it's called House, H-A-U-S, Labs, and um, we've come up with a whole array of 
incredible different uh, cosmetics. I will mm. send you some for your wife. Absolutely. Um, so we're starting with cosmetics, and it's very authentic to her, right? So it's like big, bold, beautiful looks. Yeah. And we do these drops because at the end of the day, newness really drives e-commerce mm. businesses. So we do drops every few weeks. We of have a, a new superstar product. team. Wow. We basically brought in people from Benefit, people from the Honest Company, people from like some of the best businesses in beauty. It's very interesting when you and I were getting started, you know, uh, investing in companies, celebrities were kind of like hired guns. They just wanted to get a paycheck. Then they went into wanting to invest and now they want to start them. Very different now. How do you determine uh, when, an, a f you know, somebody's dabbling and just wants to get in on like a quick, you know, flip and make some money versus super committed? Yeah. And because, you know, a lot of these folks would get these huge paydays and they didn't actually drive meaningful engagement in other people's brands or their own. So how do you make that determination as to do it or not? That is always our number one question with any entrepreneur, but especially with a celebrity because they have so many different commitments on their time and yeah. things that they could Gwyneth be doing. for sure is making Iron Man and Marvel movies. Exactly. Right. So Lady Gaga will say... This ain't no licensing deal. Right. This is something I have my fingerprints all over to the point where this is a crime scene. Right. And she's exactly right. Like no product or color or model or name of a product got picked without her having a view on this. Right. And at the end of the day, we're very bullish on celebrities being mm. involved in these companies, whether they're founders or whether they're Matthew McConaughey reading you to sleep. Because yeah. we live in this world where it's so expensive to acquire on Google and Facebook right now. It's just becoming increasingly ah, expensive. I never thought about it that way. So celebrities so, are an acquisition channel. Very good acquisition channel. Right. Scalable, repeatable acquisition channel where it's far easier and far cheaper to acquire a new customer um, by getting them to be turn them from a fan to a customer than it is to acquire a brand new customer. What how Instagram looks at this because Instagram's trying to disintermediate like this relationship between mm -hmm. Lady Gaga or whatever celebrity and like commerce. Yeah. And they don't share revenue and they don't let you do sponsored posts, right? Like if you want to do a sponsored post and you're like high up, you have to cut them in they don't want to just let you do that. And they'll have the algorithm actively fight against you from what I understand. I'm saying that, not you. I know you need to keep your relationship with Instagram. I don't care about my relationship with anybody. I care <laughs> about the truth, as you've learned. <laughs> uh, anyway. Truth is most important. Well, and so they they really are, I think, I don't want to say a bad actor in this, but they've Facebook has always said, we're going we're gonna to control this. But they can't control it if you own it. If you own it, it's not an ad. I'm talking about my work. So this is a very profound difference than if one of those Kardashian or slash Jenner uh, family members does a paid ad on Instagram, they got to cut Instagram in yeah. or Instagram penalizes them for doing covert advertising or whatever. But if they own the brand and they're like, this is my lipstick, it's not an ad. They worked on it. So I was just thinking like, it's almost like a way to route around that thing that they try to stop. On that is platforms. Ex that's exactly why we are big believers in the celebrity and also the influencer ecosystem, mm. because you already have this captivated audience that's coming there also just to see you. So, you mm. know, they're already fans of you. Right. And so you're like, OK, fine. How do you monetize fans? How do you monetize them yeah. when you don't have to necessarily just go through paid ads that, to your point, right. they change the algorithm on you and they're becoming and increasingly screwed. expensive? If you're an accredited investor, you need to understand what an SPV is. That stands for Special Purpose Vehicle. This allows 250 investors to put up to $10 million into a company with only one entity on the cap table. So if you're an angel investor with a bunch of rich friends, you can start your own syndicate powered through an SPV. Here at launch, we couldn't be more pleased with our partnership with the team at Assure. A-S-S-U-R-E, by the way. They power my syndicate, which is called thesyndicate.com, which is the largest syndicate in the world. We have about 4,000 members now. And Assure is the leading provider of special purpose vehicles, SPVs, and fund administration with over $2.5 billion in AUA. That's asset under administration and over 5,000 completed transactions. The folks over at Assure have developed an innovative software platform called Glassboard to automate the entire investment experience from entity formation 
all the way to IPO. It's beautiful. It's slick. And Ashley, who manages my syndicate, loves the interface. Not only do investors love it, but founders love it as well, as it keeps their cap tables nice and clean and simple. So to get 20% off your first special purpose vehicle, again, SPV, that's what I want you to remember, visit assure.co slash angel. That's A-S-S-U-R-E dot co slash angel. In fact, the first time I ever did one of these in SPV, you know what it was for? Calm.com, the meditation app. And that worked out really well. Yum, yum, skis. Thanks to Assure for powering my syndicate and for offering this discount to angel listeners. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Goop got some blowback about, got to say this delicately, maybe pseudoscience or new agey kind of products. This has to come up like in board meetings. There was like an egg that was used for certain exercises and a candle that smelled like something unique in the world. You know what I'm talking about, both these cases? Yes. So you're an investor. I, I mean, I wait, they sell it. I can say it, right? They have a candle that's, this candle smells like my vagina. Oh, name you said it. it. I said it. <laughs> I, why can't I say it? I can that say is the name it. of the candle, yes. It's the name of the candle I can say. It. They're <laughs> selling it, I can say it. And then there was an egg that is used for, I think, Kegel exercises, which is strengthening the walls of the vagina. I said it. Yeah. I'm allowed to say it. So I'm not going to get canceled, right? Gwyneth Paltrow has always been at the forefront of all these things. Right. And she mixes something that other people might believe to be something you cannot say. Right. And you know what? Actually, she has some similarities to you. She's like, right. no, this is the truth. This is how good it smells. And so this is what I'm going to talk about. Right. And she also will say, you know what? I was talking about meditation and yoga when people thought I was crazy, when they thought right. it was some hippy dippy stuff. And now everybody's doing it. It has hit mass America. And it's science. Exactly. By the way, UCLA is doing reports on it. So yeah. if you're going to be part of the avant-garde, I thought this was an unfair criticism of it. I think it's like a personal attack. I think it's more about personally attacking her for being rich and famous and beautiful, um, which you can't really hold against an entrepreneur, I don't think. I think it's actually a very sexist, classist attack on her. Um, I, I thought it was unfair because if she's saying like this thing exists for Kegel exercises, this candle smells like vagina or whatever, or vaginal steam and all this stuff. If you're going to be on the forefront of the avant-garde of evaluating new beauty techniques or health or spiritual, well, all of that stuff is a thesis or a theory at some point that yeah. becomes then a science. As long as it's not dangerous. We actually have in-house scientists at Goop. Um, and talking about Goop and science, have you seen the new Goop Netflix show? I they, have not. But back to vaginas, <laughs> I understand the first episodes had like there's a, an episode about vaginas. There are six episodes, and they are all about some um, very interesting, maybe controversial topics, but they show the science behind it. They show this is why this product actually Works. could work. Could work. Yes, yeah, I think like you want to have somebody out there evaluating these things. Mm -hmm. That's why we have the scientists. And that's why you bring in the scientists. Yeah, it's so so maybe there's like actually an end game here. Uh, not to use a Marvel pun, which is she herself personally is fascinated by these things that are on, let's say, the fringe or the avant-garde. Yeah. And now the reaction has been negative. And what a great reaction to bring in scientists and say like, hey, okay, well, let's make this into a series. And it's a Goop it's series or is it Gwyneth Paltrow series? It's a Goop series. It's is that Goop, a profit center? Netflix with Gwyneth Paltrow. Is it a profit center for the company or is that just more like a marketing thing? When you think about it. A bit of both. A bit of both, yeah. Doesn't need, you don't need to make a ton of money on it. How do they separate the celebrities' business from the individual? So if, because I, I run into this to myself, right? Like I get speaking gigs, I have my books. So if I don't have investors in my company, but if I did or when I did, it's like, oh, I got a $50,000 speaking gig or I get a million dollar book deal. Does that go to my investors or not? And I remember when I talked to Sophia, her books and her TV show were separate than Girl Boss, but the rallies were in it. And I was like, how do you, how are you going to navigate that? It's really interesting from Gwen Paltrow's perspective because, and I'll share with you a story. Yeah. She, if I send her something on Goop, <clears throat> she gets back straight away within right. a few minutes. I sent her, um, you know, she does a little bit of personal investing. I sent her something and she sent me back an email last week and she was like, I'm so sorry. It's taking me a week to get back to you. I am behind on everything that is in capital letters, not goop related really and she's like everything goop related i am on top of and i always will be oh, and it's true she yeah. prioritizes that that's her number one and to be honest that's 99 percent of what she does everything really? she does is trying to be looped in with goop right now um she was in the politician on netflix which was one separate thing that right. her uh, fiance asked her to do right but other than that everything else is goop related that's just interesting. becomes her world 
Yeah, it seems like this one of these like delicate things is, you know, what do you put under the goop umbrella? What do you put under your personal brand? Obviously, he's doing Marvel movies. That's her acting. That's that's a carve out. Mm. But you know, so many things these celebrities get looped into. Like they would ask her to do a makeup line. Yeah. Well, should it be a goop makeup line or should you do it for this? Right. And I guess yep. she's got to think about. Foremost. Goop is like first. She's yeah. so smart on her part because if you get paid by like some brand, you might get overpaid in the short term, but you have no equity. Mm-hmm. So like some makeup brand is like, we need Gwyneth Paltrow on our ads. It's like, yeah, great. Congratulations. You got $5 million. But company goes public, it's a billion dollars and you own half of it. Like it's a lot more than 5 million bucks. Like Completely agree. And we would be remiss if we were talking about celebs and not talking about Cameo, who oh, I feel like sure. I had the ultimate way to I monetize had, fans. Um, you had Stephen on your show. Galanis. Yeah, Stephen Galanis. Is Another that great right? Greek. Yeah. Another great Greek. He is a very strong CEO. We just very, had a Cameo board again, yesterday. Again, very Terrific self-possessed. Company. Good sense of humor. Yeah, <laughs> And he seems very focused on, he, he doesn't seem to care if, you know, there's C and D level celebrities or it's like, it's corny or some people think it's corny or might deride a cameo. He under, he, he's very self-possessed in that way. Like he's like, this deserves, this should exist in the world and look at the joy between the two parties. Yeah. You get Perez Hilton to give you a happy birthday. I love watching Perez Hilton videos. I love it. I mean, I know Perez, but Mario, he is so good on his cameo. Yeah, he's one of our most popular people. I think he's the number one. I mm-hmm. think that's what I heard from from George. Uh, For last year, that's exactly right. Changes and, all the time. When you get someone like Snoop Dogg come on, then the numbers go crazy. If you have somebody like Sarah Jessica Parker, who came on for a few days to do it for a charity, the numbers go oh, crazy she did that? to her. Oh, uh, yeah. What does she charge per? <sighs> Thousand? The most expensive, I think she was just under a thousand actually. I think she was a few hundred. The most expensive one is Caitlyn Jenner for two and a half thousand. Caitlyn Jenner for two and a half, twenty five hundred. Yep. Yeah, baby. I, I have a pretty good Caitlyn Jenner. I, have a I know what Caitlyn. Jason's going to go buy on uh, Cameo straight after this. Uh, my, friend, the the day, my friend Phil Helmuth, the poker player, decided to put himself on Cameo, and then all of the other poker players in our game decided to. Yeah, break See, break chops and like put in their cameos for him. To, but uh, you know what you're talking about is yeah. exactly why cameo is spreading virally. The yeah. business grew over five x last year, and that's Incredible. because you have one person come on, they promote it to their fans, yeah, they all get excited and buy, and also you have one person from a football team come on, then all the other football players want to come on as well. Got built in like, virality. Yeah. Hey, you're monetizing this while sitting in the locker rooms. I want to monetize my time in the locker rooms and monetize my fans. You know, the thing about it, like, I would never do that kind of stuff, like, originally. But the reason I'm coming around to it now is because... Fans love it. That's the thing. I get asked to do so many selfies in my little orbit, which is founders. Yeah. If I'm at a party that's about founders, I'll get asked, you know, to do a dozen or two dozen selfies. If I'm in a, any other party, nobody knows who I am, right? And, I, and I'm like, this feels like the new selfie, like the personalized message. And I have people all the time now ask me, can you create a video and say this? And I look at them and I'm like, I would never ask anybody to take a picture with me, let alone ask them to create a video. But yeah. young people are like, can you make a video for my friend and say, happy birthday, Sarah, Nicole, and congratulations yeah. on your invest. I'm like, no. Times are definitely changing. Gen Z is so much more comfortable with this. And at Lightspeed, we always look for a technology overlay on an existing consumer behavior. So you're right. The existing consumer behavior here is a selfie. Right. And Cameo is that technology overlay that manages to make the selfie go viral. There are people in Howard Stern, the, the radio host, who's just a great interviewer, yep. but he has something called the Whack Pack, which was his like collection of like just weird, odd people in the world. Completely politically incorrect. He, he couldn't have collected the Whack Pack now, um, but he did it in, the I guess, the 90s and the 2000s. And the members of that Whack Pack, just weird people, are all making like five, ten, fifteen thousand a month, and they never made any money before. And so it's incredible. Like... It is incredible. And Howard Stern, I feel like, is so much at the forefront of like mass consumer. If you yes. want to be a consumer investor in Silicon Valley, you need to constantly be thinking about what are consumers doing outside Silicon Valley. Speaking and listening to Howard Stern is one of the best things you can do. Uh, yeah, I think 
I wrote this blog post about how Howard could make a billion dollars if he took his show yeah. and made it into a podcast. Huh. If you just think about how... Commercialize it. Well, it... You he's know, doing pretty well for himself. I think he makes like 150 million a year or yeah. something like that. It's incredible, and he doesn't have to work on anything. Um, how do, if people want to pitch you, what kind of businesses, what kind of founders do you find yourself if you reflect on who you write checks to? Mm-hmm. You know, just looking at the existing ones, confirmation bias. What type of founders have you invested in? Not what you would normally publicly say this is what we're looking for in a press release or on your website but looking back at who you invested in and being reflective what what type of people did you invest in and have great outcomes with yeah the confirmation bias what what was their what are their character common characteristics of these folks so celebrities say, one obviously but let's put that aside because it's yeah. too obvious but it's somebody i love the idea of like founder product fit and so as an angel i invested a lot in companies in fintech used to work at a fintech startup companies that were in marketplaces and then now it's been a lot of like consumer subscription e-commerce marketplaces mm-hmm. and it's founders that know that space better than anyone else. Got it. You know, maybe they have worked at similar companies, but they have these deep insights into the space and they allow you to think about the world in a different way. Mm. And so I love that. I think that that storytelling ability, A, brings you on, but it also equally brings on a superstar team below them. Right. And so we do look for those insights that the founder has that allows us to change our thinking and then we'll change consumer thinking, change management right. thinking. So they have some deep... Not necessarily domain expertise into, but it could be. But yeah, what's that too? That too. But the, how the technically how marketplaces work, technically how content works. But like also, they're executors on it. They're good at executing. It seems like that's a theme. Like if you think about Calm, great product design, Sophia and Goop. That's definitely a thing. But I also would say that it's thinking about it from the consumer standpoint. So uh-huh. like one area that we really hone in on is, okay, consumer behavior. How is that changing? How are you tapping into consumer behavior better than anybody else? And so when a founder deeply understands their consumer, mm. that's when we think that there's something interesting happen happening. Of your investments, how many would be late stage versus early stage? Hmm. Two thirds early stage, one third growth. Got it. Why not focus on one? Don't aren't people supposed to focus on one? Aren't you supposed to be either growth or early stage? Why would you do both? I, that, I always hear that people pick one. There's such value in both because companies are staying later for longer. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at our growth portfolio at Lightspeed, over 50% of it is invested in companies that we've already invested in. So maybe we do the A in Lady Gaga's mm-hmm. beauty company, then maybe we'll also do the B or the C. And so it's great to be able to carry on investing in our best companies. You know, right now we're at the top of a cycle. It's especially important mm. to those founders to be able to say we back our companies through the good and bad times. So want to be able to continue to invest yeah. and lead those rounds in the growth stage companies. And then equally, businesses look very different. So if you look at, you know, calm at the seed stage versus growth, they look different. Very different. Zola was another one, the wedding registry company. I oh, think yeah. Shan I on had her on, podcast. yeah. We invested. I know I'm doing a good job when I have your portfolio on. That was good. <laughs> Basically had all of them on. It's terrific. Um, and so we invested at the Series B in Zola. And that made a lot of sense because I, the company was just humming at that point. Yeah. She figured it out. She really did. That's Something, when we invest, when they figure it out. Yeah. It is a nice time to invest because there's too many experiments and companies going on. And trying to predict the future and figure it out is... A lot more. It's. It's. I think it's a fool's errand to try to pick the f- predict the future. I think like you can see how, what's the quality of the first rally boss. What's the quality of, of uh, the first girl boss rally? What's the quality of the second one? That's enough information to make an investment. Completely agree, and that's why you actually can find founders who have figured it out at the seed or Series A stage yeah. because they've been around for even like two months, but they've got that data. They know their customers are loving yeah. it. They've got their engagement retention figures and. That's when we get excited. All right, Nicole Quinn, partner at Lightspeed. Thanks for coming on the pod. You can follow her on Twitter, N-I-K underscore Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N. And uh, best way to get in touch with you when you're pitching, best stage to be at. Go through a founder, go through a mutual connection, or you take a cold email. I reply to every single email I get. So really? drop me an email. As opposed to Jeremy. Jeremy also does. No, he doesn't. Jeremy's got a whole set of rules. You saw me fighting with Jeremy on Twitter. We are very excited about- Jeremy and I don't get along. uh, We don't get along, Jeremy (laughs) and I. I don't know why. 
Well, we try and reply to every single email. So he, uh, I don't think Jeremy likes me. Jeremy don't like me. Jeremy Lou. <laughs> I you love told you. him you're coming on the pod. I, I actually didn't. Oh, okay. But I'm going to tell him that I had a great time on the pod. I'll have him. I'll have him on the pod. I, I don't know why. You should. Jeremy is a terrific investor. I, I know he's very good, but I just I dunked on him a couple times on Twitter because I was like, you know what? Like he, he was doing this like whole thing. Like here's how to email me, and I was like, just email. Don't tell people how to email you. I took offense to it, and we got into it on Twitter. But you know what? This <laughs> thing about Twitter, you get in on Twitter, and then you wind up loving the person. I think we could be good friends. I think you would end up loving him. I think he is I think brilliant. So. He's okay, a good right. friend. Open invitation to Jeremy Lou to come on the pod. Uh, all right, Nicole, thanks for coming on the pod. And, uh, Thank you, Jason. Save me some room on those cap tables. Remember, half a slice better is fine. I'll take you some Done. Reason. I've got one for you right now. You do? All right. Yum, yum. We'll talk. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.